taking a cold shower is a challenge every single day. Even if you're doing it for a couple of months, for example, it still is a challenge because you always have days where you just don't feel good, where you don't want to do it. Welcome back to the Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Molly from Three Pines Leadership. And again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me for yet another episode. Today, we're going to change up the way that we do conversations a little bit because I, I'm sick of following a format right now. And I, I recently put up a, a totally random post on Facebook just asking for people to connect with me because I have this desire inside of me to build a stage for people to share their messages because honestly, there are some pretty amazing people out there doing really awesome things. And even if you're just looking to build your business, there are some incredible people finding inspiration from all different kinds of things out there. And today, today's guest is no different. I am so excited because they, we're going to have a conversation. I'm going to be super selfish. Let's be honest. I'm just going to ask a lot of questions because I'm really, really curious. Okay. So enough about me. Well, no, a little bit more about me. Find me on all of my socials. Remember, Coach Molly with an E on Twitter, Three Pines Leadership everywhere else. All right. Now we've paid the bills. Time to introduce our guest. So yeah, guest, who are you and what do you do? Hey, hey, hey. Um, my name is Jaschka. And to introduce myself, um, I'm a digital marketer. I'm a biohacker and I'm a daddy of three little humans. Um, so this is me in a nutshell. Um, and for a living, I teach people how to run profitable challenges for their business. Ah, cool. Okay, so before we get into challenges, which is one of my favorite things to talk about, I want to talk about biohacking. So first off, biohacking, I'm going to use my big brain and figure out bio meaning biological, hacking meaning finding a better way. So I'm assuming you're meaning optimizing your the way that your body runs. Is that what biohacking is? Definitely, definitely. I mean, there are a lot of different Definitions out there, for me, it's just finding or trying out all the different things that are out there in order for you to be able to live the best life that you can, that you want for yourself, um, so that you have more energy, more um, compassion, more, let's say, peace of mind, and yeah, just, just live a good life in the end. So we're not talking about cyborgs and implants and things like that, right? Well, this is part of biohacking, but it's it's the fringe stuff on the on the uh, very outside of of the normal range most people do. But really, um, biohacking is everything from being super esoteric, um, doing yoga for hours a day, and meditating the rest of it, um, to being just I don't know, just eating organically um to to becoming a cyborg so everything is possible the range is 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 wide um and every one of us is a biohacker in some sort because you try out stuff and you do stuff that makes you feel good um and what i think what separates the self-called biohackers from from most people is that we Sometimes like take it to the extreme and try out more stuff. Most people don't really bother going is like like going in the cold, for example, um, stuff like that. This is probably one of the the, the best things that biohackers are most well known for. They they jump into cold water and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So I am totally a biohacker because I was at the gym earlier today. And before I started, I took my supplements um, to make sure that my body was primed with the right nutrients. Um, definitely made sure that I was 
optimizing my body in terms of like stretching and, and doing that and going to the gym is pumping up those endorphins so I feel energized and ready to go for the day. And then afterwards I had an ice bath. So what? Yeah, <laughs> I'm I think I'm doing well. Actually, funny story. Yeah. I did an ice bath today because I'm actually part of a challenge. Um and yeah, totally wrapping all of that into one wonderful package. That's really cool. So what got you into biohacking in the first place? Um well, I think Living a good life is something that is with me since I'm, I don't know, 15, 16 or so. I mean, you know how it is. You're young. You're, um, I don't know, writing songs, making music, stuff like that. Um, and at that time, I was writing songs about that people don't recognize what they have in their life, that uh, they should strive to achieve goals and anything like that so <laughs> i not really wrote love songs or anything like that i mean i did that too but not a lot <laughs> um but yeah um, even with 15 16 i already wrote songs about i don't know having a good life um so it is in a way always with me um and i um started out as the usual like like um going to the gym like i just said and taking care of what i eat and from then on i yeah just got fascinated all right i mean i'm for example i'm, I'm a pretty skinny guy um and for skinny guys they always have a very hard time packing on muscle for example um so, all right, what do we need to do? I need to eat more. But if I eat eat more, then I feel bad. So uh, what can I do? I don't know. And so you're researching. And I don't know, a couple of years later, I, I um, um, wrote a blog post. I think um, it was... <laughs> I think it was the classic intro into biohacking about the, the famous uh, butter coffee, um, the bulletproof yeah. coffee. And um, yeah, super fascinated by that. And then I, um, I don't know, for the next years, I, I spent every day researching one, two, three hours um, with all the, the, the big names in biohacking from Dave Asprey to Ben Greenfield and how they're all called. Um, and yeah, so it was one step at a time. It wasn't the clear defining moment for me, um, but I'm... I was always fascinated on, on how I can live good life and how can I get better. Um, I'm a very driven person um, and I like to challenge myself. And maybe this is why I resonate with challenges so much. Um, but yeah, at Biohacking, you're doing that. You're challenging um, you challenge yourself. I mean, taking a cold shower is a challenge every single day. Even if you're doing it for a couple of months, for example, it still is a challenge because you always have days where you just don't feel good, where you don't want to do it. Um, but you're going in anyway, and that builds the mental resilience and everything like that. And you feel good afterwards. And yeah, so just one step at a time. <laughs> That's so yeah. cool. I've always been fascinated at the possibilities the human body has and what it, what it takes to take that step beyond just like normal human behavior. And for me, it started when I was, I think I was about the same age, 15, 14, 15. And I was learning about these aesthetic monks in mm -hmm. India who would sit and they would meditate for years without eating or drinking. And to me, I was like, that's impossible. And still I, and until I started really researching and understanding like, no, they were so into this mind-body connection. It's incredible. And it didn't mean that I needed to start meditating at that level, but I could still use that input and that research to make my life better. And that's, oh, that's so cool. I've never, I don't think I've ever thought of biohacking in such a holistic kind of approach. That's really neat. What is, yeah, what does biohacking look like as a dad? Like, are you biohacking your kids? <laughs> <laughs> um well <laughs> i give you an example um outside in my garden i have a huge rain barrel it's 500 liters um so you can jump there in uh, very easily um 
and uh, this is my ice bath um, during the winter time and um, even in summer I try to refill it from time to time and get in a little bit of cold um, and our biggest our, our boy um, um, the oldest one is he's five right now so not that old but um, this year for the first time he he jumped into in into the thing with me for a couple of times um not when it was super cold so um but with with 14 15 16 degrees um he he got in there with me and this was fun definitely but um i don't force them into anything so um they're doing all the usual stuff kids do they eating sweets they eating a cake they watching some tv um but what we try to do is we try to get outdoors we try to challenge them a little bit so that they um yeah um, build their creativity and anything like that so this is what we do yes but um nothing really out of the ordinary um so i think i think Kids learn best when they have a good person to look up to and kids look up to their parents and when they see you working out, then the likelihood that they will try that is very good. And when they see you smoking, then the likelihood that they will try that as well is also very high. So just try to be a good person um, and be, be a mentor for, for your kids by living a good life yourself. Oh, I love that. And it's literally giving me chills, the idea. It's, you're, you are biohacking your kids and you're doing it by being that role model. That's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. So you're in Germany, right? Yes. So how, so the idea of like a biohacker, someone who is going to be in tune with themselves and doing what they need to do to push themselves to that next level. It's a very personal kind of journey you go on how does that kind of connect to or clash against german culture and the way that you were raised mm. i don't think it it, it clashes um <laughs> it clashes with some parts of german culture i mean what are germans known for we're known that we like Order. soccer and we know that uh, and we're known for for our beer Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and sausages and sausages that's right um but when you really would take the biohacking thing very very seriously then you shouldn't drink beer for example yeah but i do um um at least from time to time um but so i think again for me biohacking is about living the best life for you that you want to and for me it means that i eat a cake with my family too yep. that i um have a beer one two times a week too um but i don't have a beer every day of the week and twice a day and i don't start at 10 in the morning <laughs> so um i think you just need to see what are the options and you need to know when you're making a bad decision um in terms of your health but sometimes this not that healthy decision is something that is that feels good that brings you joy that fosters the community and the relationship and so that's 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 okay oh i love it i spent a lot of time living in france on the italian border um, mm -hmm. and i abs and i i was helping raise kids i was an au pair uh, in a ski resort, kind of a weird situation, but <laughs> I absolutely fell in love with, it seems like more of a European kind of joie de vie, this understanding that nature is part of your every day and the way that, the thing that always blew my mind was like four and five-year-olds, we were on a mountain, like Alpine mountain, back country, um, and these kids knew exactly what to do. They knew what to do if they got um, hurt if they got lost if they were like stressed out and it was a like a difficult situation with other skiers or something and it 
it took me years to reflect on it and I realized they they understood mindfulness in a way that they don't teach our kids here. And it mm. was the these kids we get we got lost one day. <laughs> it's it's been 10 years so I think the the mom won't hurt me anymore but uh, we got lost in the mountain one day and this 8-year-old she sat me down and looked me in the eyes and said I need you to take 3 deep breaths and then we'll figure this out. Wow. I was like <laughs> where did you learn that? Oh, I learned that the last time I got lost on the mountain. I'm like wow. <laughs> Because here, so I'm in Canada, and we have <laughs> we have helicopter parents, um, and we have snowplow parents. So parents who push all of the obstacles away. It, it there's a park maybe like a hundred meter, not even a hundred meters away from where I'm sitting right now. And if I was a parent and let my child walk to the park by themselves, someone would call the police on me. Wow. So it's like I'm I'm so fascinated by people who by parents who recognize mindfulness and recognize what it means to be a role model and to give your kids that space to learn themselves and to explore because man, we don't have it here so much anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean it's true. Sometimes sometimes it's hard um when you have a full work day um, you take the kids from kindergarten and you're still thinking about work and you only have, let's say, two hours before um, you need to prepare dinner and get them into bed. So not a lot of time. What what do you do? Um, and so really going outside every day is sometimes hard. Um, I yeah. mean, we have the good situation here. We have a huge garden. Um, and so um, even if they're not out in the forest or... Yeah. I mean, we... Where I live, we don't have any mountains nearby, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but but so um, but we have a huge garden, and so at least getting them in the garden for even a couple of minutes mm -hmm. um, is is something that I believe is super beneficial. Um, and um, what I wanted to say in regards uh, to what you just said—that kids can be super mindful—I um, think. We are all born that way, yeah. but we, um, we, we relearn, we need to re relearn that right now when, when we are adults, um, because we are forced to do all kinds of other stuff. We need to think about everything and a kid just plays. Yeah. So when, when you give your kid the, the time to really, um, get immersed into their own things, um, and it can be reading a book, but it also can be, I don't know, um, building some sculptures out of garbage and um, going out and, I don't know, looking 15 minutes at um, a worm that is crawling through the garden. Um, they are so, so immersed into that. And sometimes you can speak to them and they don't even hear you. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think we are all born that way. But yeah, society learns us otherwise. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of this also has to do with understanding our position as humans in the greater systems that we're part of. I, I teach outdoor education and I have these kids who, who come to my programs and they literally don't know where a carrot comes from. They, it comes from the grocery store. You're like, does it grow on a tree or does it grow in the ground? Neither, miss. It comes from the store. And so, like, teaching kids where your food is coming from and how it grows and what effort is put into that, they can then learn to appreciate that. And, and instead of being like, ew, vegetables are bad, it could be like, look, mom, look what I grew. And, and I think that's, that's so important. And then as you grow up and you become this adult biohacker, you're understanding how your body's processing your nutrients and how it needs more sleep and how when you're now you have this mind-body connection you have to be mindful of and, and, and so on and so forth. And it's all how do we fit into this great, wonderful universe around us. That's, oh, I love it. <laughs> so I can feel that. <laughs> I, <laughs> So I love to ask questions about the future. So in a hundred years, 
keeping biohacking in mind in a hundred years, where do you think we will be as a human species if we all start biohacking today? If we all start biohacking today, wow. Um, I think um, the average lifespan would very quickly extend to 150. Um, with good health and good energy and being able to move um, and yeah until the more or less the very last day Um, so I really think that what most elderly people right now um, never have learned is really taking care of themselves Um, so when the when we as one of the next generations um, have that in mind and really be be really put the importance of um, tuning our body and rewiring everything that every stressor that um, tries to pull us down and just taking care of us, then we really are able to to extend a lifespan radically um, and eliminating most of today's society's illnesses. I mean, I mean, simple, simple stuff. I mean, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know, really know the science behind it. But um, what I have learned is that if you would fast for five, six days, um, two, three times a year, then you kill almost every cancer cell you have in your body. So the likelihood that you can really develop cancer um, reduces so, so much that the, um, the spread of cancer in our society would decline um, um, like crazy. Yeah. And just people would start to fast twice a year which in the past was normal for us because mm-hmm. we had no access to, to food like we do right now, right? Um, and so just by, by integrating the, the nature um, of food, so the seasons into, into our daily, daily life and that we know, all right, this fruit is summer fruit and in the winter, it's probably not the best option to still eat it. Yeah. Um, or that, for example, um, the, we have a season where we eat more carbs and then we have a season where we don't have access to carbs and we eat mostly meat, for example, um, or whatever you're into. Um, so just by um, have your body run on different energy sources um, is super beneficial. Um, yeah. Oh, that's really neat. I I have a lot of like digestive health issues and I have this weird genetic condition. So if I, instead of thinking of myself as being um, different than everyone else, because I ha- there's something wrong with me, I've, I've totally stopped having that mindset and it, I'm just me. I am what I am. And this vehicle requires a certain type of diet to function optimally. And I think that mindset shift is so important for people because what's great for you and what's working really well for you is not going to be the best recipe for the person standing next to you. They're going to need something different because maybe their energy levels are different or maybe their, their sleep patterns are different or, um, their body composition is different or whatever. Um, So I think understanding that we each are are beautiful, wonderful vehicles that are unique and there's nothing wrong with us. We just get to enjoy this complex puzzle of figuring out what works for us. And that means going out and figuring out, you know, what's working for everyone else and trying it on yourself. Okay. Here's, here's a little backstory on me. I, I, am, I started out as a hacker, like an actual before the computer kind of free long distance phone calls kind of person. Like, and the way to do those, the ways to, I don't know, crack into the photocopier code at school, for example, is to just keep trying. Try new mm. things. Try different things. And what works, keep it. What doesn't work, get rid of it. And then maybe circle back and try it again. Um, 
one of my my favorite people to to follow on social media right now is um Michaela Peterson. Um, she does this diet called the Lion Diet. Um, so she's heard of that, yeah. Yeah, some people think she's kind of like way out there, but I think they're misinterpreting what she's talking about. So, quick backstory: she has a whole slew of different, um, like a. Um, immune kind of issues. So I think mm-hmm. she has arthrite, like rheumatoid arthritis, and she was having some digestive issues and depression and all of this stuff. And she tried something different. And she tried this different diet, which was primarily um, meat. And the way she got to that was by doing an elimination diet. So you take everything out of your diet and you very slowly one food at a time reintroduce things Um, and so she was through that process was able to find what optimally worked for her body and now she's introducing more and more foods um, that are working for her it's not just about restricting because that sounds cool right it's about be having that flexibility and just hanging out with yourself getting to know yourself and what works best yeah definitely i mean did you know that it takes almost a month to get what you eat today out of your body. So when you eat, for example, a treat today, then your body has that in you for almost 30 days. And so in order for you to really know what it feels, for example, to live without sugar or to live without whatever food you can think of right now, um, you need to eliminate that from your diet for almost a month. Um, So just use a month to to stay safe. and so um, just uh, there are a couple of challenges out there. So, for example, the, the 30 day without sugar challenge or something like that, um, where you really try to eliminate everything that has sugar um, over, let's say, five, six grams in it um, from your diet. And this is very hard to do. <laughs> um, but um, uh, a lot of people are really feel completely different after after 30 days yeah just by doing this one more or less easy thing yeah oh and for those of you who don't believe it actually takes 30 days remember back for those of you who grew up in north america or had magical access to the show there was a show called the magic school bus greatest educational kids show next to Bill Nye the Science Guy. So it's this cartoon classroom with this awesome teacher, Miss Frizzle, and this magic bus. And this this one episode, one of the students, he became uh, obsessed with eating this one particular snack called seaweedies. And he would eat them just constantly, constantly, constantly. And eventually, his skin turned orange. Dun, dun, dun. And everyone was like, oh no, what's going on? And the teacher said, jump in the school bus, everyone. And they shrunk down nice and small and they go into the kid's body and they were learning about um, how he was actually, the seaweedies turned out to be seaweed wrapped cucumber or um, carrots. So he was eating too much of that and his skin was turning orange, which is actually a thing that can happen, my friends, if you eat way too much. Um, And so through this episode, we were watching they were speeding up time because it's a magic school bus. Um, so that we were watching the layers of skin move, move, move. And it, it took me years to understand that connection that the cells that are on my body are made and fueled by the food I put in my mouth. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So now, now, okay, we talked about 30-day sugar challenge, which um, I'd fail in 30 minutes, to be honest. Um, <laughs> one day, I will, I will get the guts to do it one day. What other kind of challenges can we do in our, in our personal lives to become biohackers? Well, <clears throat> obviously, the thing, um, as already mentioned, um, biohackers are most known for, besides the butter coffee, and that is taking cold showers. So uh, yep. try to take your normal shower as usual, do everything as usual. And when you're done, then for a couple of seconds, you go to ice cold, as cold as possible in your shower, um, just a couple of seconds. 
and then try that for a week. And the next week, you do a couple of seconds more and a couple of seconds more. And after a month, you should be able to go, you get to go past 30 seconds um, at least. Um, maybe you even are ready to, to hit, hit a, a minute or so. Um, and when you, when you go into the cold shower um, and you are in there for two, three minutes, then something changes in your body. And maybe you have heard about that before. So your body comes, goes into a state of that is called alkaline. So it comes becomes alkaline, and um, that means that your body um, that really changes its structure, but um, it changes a bit, and that makes viruses and everything like that um, a lot harder um, to, to get 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 onto you. So um, you're changing your body in a way that just by going to the cold for two, three minutes every day, um, you become so much more healthy. It's ridiculous. That's really cool. Okay. So going off of that, we, we do a lot of like polar dips and swimming in ice cold and stuff like that. Um, so ice bath. Yeah. Is that the next step after cold showers? Um, it can be. Yes. Um, so the transition from cold shower to an ice bath, it's still a huge one. So when you're able to go two, three minutes in the cold shower from that to an ice bath is a huge trend transition. So what I would start with probably is, um, for example, just fill your, your bathtub you have at home, um, with the coldest water you have, um, here for us, for example, it's about 14 degrees, so not that cold. Um, and then just get into that for 10 minutes. Um, when you're used to the shower, the transition to that isn't, isn't a lot. So it's definitely um, more or less easy doable, but you um, get into that, just calm down, relax, breathe, um, and get used to that and maybe next time you do that um, you're in there and then you fill up um, um, a bag of ice yeah. and next time you do it with three <laughs> and um, yeah just just yeah. just continue doing that and then over time you um, can definitely uh, get adjusted to that but it will always be a challenge <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm so fascinated by this idea of ice baths and cold showers turning that alkaline switch in your body it's not a switch it's a gradient we all know that but um i i first learned about this alkaline body magic stuff again when i was younger and meditating a lot more um and i was doing the what was it it's like the buddhist monk diet so you only eat until noon um, you only eat what you can carry in one hand, all this kind of stuff. But primarily the foods that you would eat are foods that would keep your body in an alkaline state. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't understand this. Everyone's like, it doesn't matter. Just do it. Just do it. So with biohacking, can you stack things on top of it? Like stack the benefits? So like if I'm doing my Buddhist monk diet, my alkaline diet, plus my cold showers am i going to get like double the superpower i know it's not a superpower but you know <laughs> in a way it is <laughs> you get super freaking healthy so that is a superpower in today's society. um especially with COVID 19 around so um yes <laughs> um oh you can definitely stack a lot together and you can even stack and do that at the same time um sometimes so you can do the cold showers, you can do ice bath, and uh, you stack breathing to that. Mm, um, yeah. So there are a lot of different breathing um, patterns out there. One of the most uh, well-known is the Wim Hof breathing, um, which I not recommend doing when you're in the cold because uh, there is a possibility of you passing out and you don't want to do that in cold water. Actually, uh, so I, I was telling you about my ice bath challenge thing today. So there was a bunch of us doing it um, and everyone was like, Wim Hof breathing, Wim Hof breathing. And one of my friends, Paul, he was on live and he was like, I got to stop doing this breathing. I think I'm getting tingly because I'm going to pass out. Like, Why yeah. are people breathing like that? 
Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You can you can maybe do that upfront if you like to, but um, I wouldn't do it with a breast hold before. Um, so um, yeah, for 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 the people listening to this right now, um, the whim of breathing is where you breathe into the full extent possible, then you breathe out just a bit, and you breathe in full extent and breathe out just a bit, and through that, through that, you uh, when you do that 20, 30, 40 times. And then you feel your body to um, tingle yeah. and you feel, maybe you feel um, slight, slightly lightheaded. Um, and then you breathe out and you hold your breath for as long as you can. Um, and just a quick funny um, side story. Um, in my youth, um, I already mentioned that I wrote songs and stuff like that. I tried to become a singer. So I actually went to a pro music school to become a singer. Um, and it finds out that my lung um, has um, an unusual, uh, is unusually small. So I don't get a lot of air into myself. Um, and so I can't sing for very long before I need to breathe in again. Um, and this was one of the reasons, well, a lot more, uh, um, uh, why, why um, after a year I, uh, I left that school. Um, but what is fascinating, when I um, really um, did the Wim Hof breathing every single day, I started with a breath hold of 10, 15 seconds. Um, and over time, I could get up to, on good days, one and a half minutes. Um, and on my very best day, I even went two and a half minutes. Um, and so it's, it's really crazy if you just stick to that, that you can re really um, go and, and reach um, long, long times. And similar to the, to the cold, um, when you are able to do a breath hold for I believe it's 130 um, that your body again becomes alkaline. So when you do, for example, the whim of breathing um, and then you jump into a cold shower once or twice a day, um, then you can keep bring your body back into that state again and again and again. And so you can ex actually extend the time you're in that alkaline state. Um, so you can stack that together, even though I wouldn't recommend doing that at the same time. Um, and one thing that's also important when you really get into the cold, what most people do is they get into the cold and they um, yeah. um, cramp up and yeah. this is the worst response you can do. So I always have to move my arms like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. What you need to do is you need to establish um, um, a steady breathing pattern. So for example, um, there's box breathing, for example, it's um, four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold. And you do that again and again and again, and then you turn on the cold and you continue with that breathing pattern. You don't cramp up yeah. and do that quick <gasps> inhale because this, um, prevents your body from going to that shock um, or that negative shock, um, which is something you don't want. What you want is that your body can adapt to that, that you don't um, get into that fight or flight mode, mm -hmm. but that you can stay calm under pressure. Um, and this is when it really becomes healthy. As long as you're still cramping up, you think you're doing something good for yourself, but you maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really neat. Oh, cool. Okay, so we've talked biohacking, which we could talk about for hours. I am absolutely fascinated. And I'm just going to put you on the spot right now. We're going to circle back like in a few months and have this chat again, because I'm going to try some of these things and I'm going to see... Uh, to see if I can biohack so. my way to living a lot longer. Um, so, so. <laughs> it'll be great. I'm 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 excited for this. Uh, so I want, I want you. I, I, I want you right after this call. Yep. Schedule our next interview in six months. Will do. Or three or three. Um, whatever you're up to, three or six months. I want you to schedule the next interview, and then we see where um how it has changed for you. <laughs> 
yes, I'm going to cold shower every morning. I think that's, that's an easy thing for me to build into my schedule so I'm not focused on it. I'm not like worried about it or, or, you know, staying in bed and oversleeping for fear of having to go to the cold shower. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it hard every day. Yes. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I want to talk about challenges because we've talked, we've talked about challenges in our personal lives and using biohacking as a way to overcome that stuff. But that works great in our personal lives and in our, our bodies. But how can, how does this relate to business? Like, can we use challenges in our business? What does that look like? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, um, first for the people listening, maybe you haven't heard about the term of, of, of a challenge for business right now. So just let me, um, very quickly explain what, explain what that is. So maybe you have heard about webinars before, um, a challenge is completely different. <laughs> um, so, what is a challenge? Um, for me, the differentiation between a traditional webinar and a challenge is that a webinar teaches you um, some glimpses here and there. And in order to really get what they are talking about, you need to buy that program. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a challenge is a guided coaching session where over a couple of days, it can be five days, seven, 10, 21, whatever, um, a challenge can do be anything from, well, one day to, I don't know, 90 days. Um, and every day you get a new training from a coach, you get, uh, have a community, a support, peop- um, support group around you, you can ask questions and everything like that. And you sign up for something that where you already know what you get. So for example, um, there are weight loss challenges out there. So let's just stick to the healthy theme we have going on here right now. Um, So let's say you um, sign up for a how to lose 10 pounds in 30 days challenge. Um, And so then over 30 days, you would, you would get um, coaching every single day. Um, how you can actually get that. And after the 30 days, you usually get um, an offer. Um, so they then sell you a product um, or a service or whatever coaching. Um, but you already got what you promised. So uh, what was promised to you? Um, and I think this is a real differentiation because when you run a challenge, then you're leading with results. You're, you're not only talking about giving well you and stuff like that. You hear people talking about all the time, but you actually do it. So you actually get people results first and then you ask for the sale. And that way um, it, has, it has a lot of huge benefits. Um, and <laughs> maybe you can hear that. I'm, I'm very excited <laughs> just talking about <laughs> challenges. Um, but but it's really crazy because um, people sign up for challenges all the time. Yeah. So the entry barrier is super low. So that means that your lead generation is set when you run a challenge because it's very, very easy compared to other methods on getting people into your challenge, especially when it's free, but you can also run a challenge paid. That's also possible. Um, so the lead generation is very easy. Then you have the... Um, uh, a Facebook group or wherever you want to host the challenge in. And then you, from day one, start building a community. Mm-hmm. So you started to build a tribe. Um, you foster that, that, uh, that feeling of working together and, and helping each other and everything. So you're building an engaged um, tribe of people who follow you with every challenge you do. And so you can actually grow a movement out of that. You can even start a complete new business just by launching your very first challenge um, when you do it right. Um, And so you have lead generation, you have community building, a movement building, you build your tribe, um, you grow your email list like crazy, you um, build up the relationship with Mm -hmm. the people because you are leading with value, you're leading with results before you ask for the sale. 
And then you ask for the sale. You already have that relationship. You have that trust. Um, they know you. They know what you do, how you do it, if they can relate to your style of doing it. Um, and so asking for the sale then, um, if you've got the offer down, is a lot easier than um, when you need to, I don't know, obviously cold call somebody or get them on a webinar or something like that. Yeah, I am a huge fan of challenges. And I just actually went through one uh, with the one and only Catherine Jones. And the way that she is tweaked or the way that she runs challenges is so unique and wonderful and so engaging. And as you say, it's not you don't really don't have to ask for the sale at the end. It's just a formality because by the time that that patron has gone through the challenge and if they've made it all the way to the last day and they are still gung ho and they're there listening to the last like hour of the challenge where you're just pitch, pitch, pitching and they're like, heck yeah, I'm in. They've gone through the whole challenge as an audition. Yes, yeah. they are getting a ton of value. They are taking steps in whatever it is that you're you're helping them with they're also taking steps up your value ladder while you're doing that so Definitely. i want to and the thing is the thing is sorry to interrupt you the thing is they self-qualify mm -hmm. so you actually know who you need to reach out to to for a more personal touch because you see who is engaged with you every single day yeah um and those are the people that buy from you after that and if you do it right, um, I've seen, a, I've gone through a couple challenges now where I've noticed they get us to sign contracts or you complete your challenge, but instead of just writing your homework in, they invite you to do a live or they invite you to post a photo with a story. And yeah, it's great because of engagement. It's great because it's building your community and you as the leader are getting to know your people. You're getting to share who your attractive character is. But also, you're getting a ton of social proof that you can then repurpose into other things, no matter how far along that challenge those people end up. And the, the challenge I did with Catherine, it was like a multi-phase kind of thing. So once you get through the first five days, well, hey, here's an offer for this next step up where we're going to do the next step. And then we'll give you this plan at the end. But at the end, here's the plan. But if you want to know how to implement it, this is what you need to do. But if you need help doing it, we'll come on up to the next level. And it, it never felt pitchy. It never felt like you were being sold. It was... Hey, yeah, you've made it this far. You keep you want to keep doing this? You're still pumped about it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do that next thing. Let's push you the next level. And within days, you feel so much more connected. And we always talk about um the attractive character and how do you how do you weave that into your your business? It's easy to weave your attractive character into your social media posts, into your emails, but how do you, how would you recommend people weave their attractive character into their challenges to help narrate people through? Um, well, I think the same rules apply um, as you would use it in every other way. So you're using stories yeah. and you become vulnerable. You share your own story. Um, so, I mean, usually a challenge starts with the, the, let's call it coach, with the coach who is guiding you through the challenge shares their own backstory so um uh, i don't know for me i um i started out as a huge failure and i failed at all those entrepreneurial things i did <laughs> in the past and over time i got better a bit and a bit but i always failed and then i found this solution uh -huh and now it's finally working and this is why we're here because i want to share this with you and everybody who hears who hears this instantly says, "What? That's me. I, I'm I also failing at the entrepreneurial game, and now I need to. He he has a solution for me. Wow. I need that aha moment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Take me and, on that um, epiphany bridge. <laughs> yeah, de yeah, definitely. Um, and so and so, just with that, with the first 20, 30 minutes of the challenge, they are hooked." at least the people who can relate to you. And so 
you already know most of the time on day number one who is with you until day number five. Yeah. Um, because those are the people who, when you present your backstory, says, oh man, this I can so much relate to this because whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and yeah, so you more or less know right ahead who, who is with you because you, you start with that and you can still weave that into every presentation you do. So um, you show a tactic or so and you package it in a story um, how you failed that time and then make it work or uh, what you learn from your mentor because you have those huge mentors guiding you and whatever. So yeah, definitely you can um, uh, weave that in very easily if you know what your attractive character is. And if you have a couple of stories um, um, that that fits you. And if you don't have those stories right now, then run a challenge. And after that, you know what stories will sell you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Okay, so we have free challenges and we have paid challenges. What What's the difference? What do you recommend? What should we keep in mind? Um, I think it completely is... is um, it's up to you and your traffic strategy. For example, when you are able to drive paid ads because you have a budget and you can drive paid ads, um, and we are not talking about $200 right now, but more like 2000 and upwards, um, then you can try the paid challenge, I would say, because you can test things out. Because um, when you... Um, when you when you drive ads to your challenge, then you hopefully are able to balance out the ad spend and the people going in and the payment you get back in return upfront without the offer at the end of the challenge. Um, so this is a best case scenario um, because then you can really scale that. And this works best when you run paid challenges. You can make it work with free challenge as well. So you have a free challenge and when they sign up, they get um, a special one-time one deal for this thing and then for that thing and three other things. And in the end, um, they will buy something from you, hopefully. Um, and if you, if you get the conversion rates right, then you can also make it work. But I believe it's a little bit harder on a free challenge to, to make that work. So you need to hope that after the challenge, you get um, enough people to buy a thing to, to balance out your ad spend. And this is a, um, really honestly where most people fail. Um, they heard, hey, I only need to run a challenge and then I'm all set, everything is cool. Um, and they invest the last thousand bucks they had and um, then they never did a challenge. It was the first try. Um, they bombed their ads. So they get very um, high um, um, cost per lead um, rates. Then um, they, they bomb the challenge, have technical difficulties, don't know how to sell, don't know how to speak. Um, the offer sucks as well. And then they get no sales and they lost it all. <clears throat> um, and so what I recommend to everybody is, the very first challenge you run, don't expect to make any money out of it. Do it for the learning experience and to gather testimonials. Really shoot for testimonials as much as possible because this is when you run your, your next or your next challenge, this is what um, drives the conversion rates up so that you have more people opting in, um, so that you have lower cost leads, and um, in the end you make more sales. And so what I can recommend when you think, all right, should I do a free challenge or a paid challenge? Your very first challenge, I would always and definitely run free because most people just fail at making it work. You can make it work on the first try if you have experience enough or lucky enough, um, but I wouldn't trust on that. So I would run the first challenge for free don't invest a huge amount of money into that um, if you don't have it um, and do it for the learning experience. And when, you, when it was really good and you have uh, enough people buying your offer at the end so that you know that it works and you know that you get the sales, 
then you can think about making the next challenge a paid challenge um, and continue to grow from that. Ah, interesting, interesting. Um, I want to I wanna ask you about um, lead generation as, or I guess I should remind people, that's what I want to do. My brain's not working today. I want to remind people of what you just said. So first of all, guys, free challenge. Offer a free challenge. You can sign up for my free challenges. Ah, ah, yeah, that's right. I hypnotized you to sign up for my challenges, guys. Okay, so challenges are great because they're going to give you those email addresses. That's what you want to build your list. Those people who are interested enough to sign up for your challenge, to give you that valuable email address. There are people who are interested in what you are, are offering as the end result of your challenge. Those are golden email addresses, my friend. But on top of that, you don't stop there. You're providing value. And as my lovely mentor, as the one and only Russell Brunson tells us to do, hashtag over deliver, my friends. Give a ton of value. Be vulnerable. Live through your stories because when your story because, becomes their story, your solution becomes their solution, my friends. Uh, that's a quote from Catherine Jones. It's not mine. I'm not taking credit for that. Um, but the other thing, my friends, you have to remember is you're serving your customers. You're giving them a ton of value and you want something in return. And when you're doing that first challenge or you're doing those free challenges, that thing in return isn't necessarily going to be your offer. They're not necessarily going to jump at that. And that's okay because what you need, the gold in this experience, my friends, is those testimonials and the feedback from the people in your, in your challenge. So you want to know where were they before they started your challenge and where are they now after your challenge? What has that shift been like because of working with you? That's the golden testimonial. You want these in video if you can. You want them in text if you can. You want photos if you can. And better yet, you want them telling their friends about their experience, posting it on their sites, on their feeds to get it to other people, right? That's your organic, your organic traffic there. But at the same time, you're also going to constantly be asking people for feedback, where are they stuck? What do they need more help on? So that you can either pivot and adjust right then and there for the next day's coaching session, or which you, it should be an and actually, uh, <laughs> next time you run the challenge, you know what's going to work. You've tested your stories. We've talked about that before. You've tested your coaching and what's going to work. You're actually testing what the objective is as well. Are you saying like you're going to lose 10 pounds in 10 days? That's crazy. That's going to get you a lot of email addresses, but are you going to be able to follow through on that? And that once you, once you um, tweak everything and you get to the spot where you are able to over deliver in value and get people to where you say you're going to get them in this challenge or beyond, that's when they're just going to gobble up your offer, throw their credit cards at you. Be careful. They're sharp. That, my friends, is what you need to do. So don't think about your first offer as, oh, this is going to get me rich. Get rich quick. No. Everything is a learning, learning step, just like biohacking. Just like biohacking. You learn one thing. You're like, yeah, this is working. You learn another thing. Oh, what happens when I stack those together? Oh, superpower. Same thing with the challenge, my friends. <laughs> Definitely. And just um, add, to add to that, um, a quick example from myself. So when I launched my very first challenge, um, you must have a mind. I haven't told that yet, but you need to have a mind. I'm a paid ad specialist. I do this for 10 years now. So I know how to run ads. Um, and when I launched my very first challenge, it was a free challenge. Um, and I just started it. I wanted to try it out. I had no real clue what I would offer at the end. And, but I had some money left over and just went with it and it was like crazy. In just three weeks, I had 4,500 people in, in that challenge. It was my very first challenge. Um, and I completely bombed it all. I haven't made a single sale in that challenge because right until the last day, I didn't know what to sell. And so the only thing I'm asked for at the end was, hey, you like to do it again? 
um, but but it was a great experience, um, and I already experienced the power of that. So I had four thousand five hundred people signing up. Um, One thousand five hundred of that got into the Facebook group and got engaged. So I had a, a gate community, and um, right from the start, I later pivoted and can't use that anymore because they were definitely absolutely not my target audience but still um i had those people in my life right now um and half a year later um i still have a couple of those people in my life and now half a year later uh, without running a challenge right now um they come to me and they buy stuff from me that cost them a thousand bucks um so it's a uh, yeah, you need to have the long game in mind um, and the long-term strategy because you're really building out the digital asset, the trust in you and um, people will buy from you when they just stick with you. Yeah, it's always about the long game and I'm all about long-term strategy. And my advice, anytime someone asks me to help them lay out their value ladder and everything associated with that, I always start from the top and work my way down because that way, you know, all right, this is ultimately where I need them to be. So what do they need to get there? All right. Well, what do they need to get there? And so on and so forth. If I find it so tricky when people want to start from the beginning, which logically makes sense, you're walking through the customer's experience, but man, if you don't know what that next thing is, you can't be dropping hints and dropping seeds to get them to like preface it and kind of, yeah, yep. drop those seeds ahead of time and be like, all right, guys, if you need help, remember, I have this cool event coming up. Oh yeah. Remember this topic we talked about? Well, we're going to talk more about it at the event coming up. And then at the end of the yeah. challenge, people are not shocked when you offer them tickets to the event. Right. <laughs> oh man. All right. So it's time that we have to actually start wrapping this conversation up, unfortunately, but we're going to talk back in another few months. I am so excited yeah. for this. <laughs> I'm so excited. So how can people get into your world if they are curious about either digital marketing or starting up a challenge for their own business? How can they get into your world? Well, um, if you want to learn how to run profitable challenges, then you, as a passionate podcast listener, you can tune into the Launch Your Challenge podcast, which is my podcast. So uh, tune into that. Um, it's um, as uh, here with you, it's mostly um, um, interviews with all kinds of crazy people. I had Catherine or Jones um, on my podcast, um, Doug Molly Jacks, um, just to name a few. So I have a couple of uh, really good names, but also some, some other folks who have super valuable stuff to share. Um, so tune into the Launcher Challenge podcast. And I also have a free Facebook group. It's the Challenge Funnel Entrepreneurs Group. And when you sign into that, then you get access to a five-day workshop, how to create and launch your first challenge. So if you don't know how to do it, pop into the group and go through the workshop and then you are set. Did you hear that, guys? The seeds and the story. Okay, let's do some meta-analysis of what just happened. Sideline here. Okay, so we talked about challenges. We talked about what happens if you fail at your challenge. We realized that that's okay because the first thing to do if you've never done a challenge is to do a challenge and learn from that. And then, bam, you just got offered access to a challenge to build challenges my friends what what you guys have no excuses now i hope that each and every one of you listening finds a way to get into that group to start that challenge because you no matter what industry you're in no matter what kind of business you are there is a challenge that you can design there's probably a hundred challenges you can design for your people yeah thousands maybe <laughs> but don't don't focus on thousands focus on one at a time my friends oh man right. okay last question i'm gonna ask just because i'm super curious short answer though what do you think is more impactful a three-day challenge or a 30-day challenge 
<clears throat> impactful for whom? Oh, okay. I'm going to say the business owner. <laughs> I, okay, here's my <laughs> assumption. My assumption is that you're going to have more people stick for the entirety of a shorter challenge, but you're going to get higher quality leads at the end of a longer challenge. That's yeah. my assumption. That's right. Um, what I would suggest is um, if you want maximum business impact right now and don't play the long game, then do a one-shot three, two, three-day event um, and go, go all in on that. And you will make a ton of sales through that. Um, when you think about building um, an evergreen challenge, which you can run over and over and over again, um, which you can sell as a paid challenge and have people signing up and re-signing up and re-signing up and <laughs> spreading the love to all their friends, then um, um, when you build that long-term asset, then go with a 30-day challenge. Cool. I love it. And you said my favorite word, evergreen, which we talk about <laughs> a lot here. Oh, I love it. All right. Thank you so, so, so much for joining me for this episode. And you, my friends at home, thank you too. We are so happy you are here, both of us, because this has been an awesome conversation. You guys have so much homework right now. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to go do my daily cold showers. That's my homework. I'm fully owning that. And you guys, I want you guys to figure out how you're going to biohack yourself. If you're going to do cold showers with me, awesome. If you're going to do like, I don't know, some cool meditative breathing every day. Awesome. That's fantastic. Tell me about it. Hit us up in all of our socials and let us know how that's working for you guys. Your other piece of homework is get in that group and start your challenge challenge. Your challenge of challenge. Start designing a challenge along a challenge with a challenge. Challenge. It'll be great. Challenge, challenge. <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone i'm gonna sign off before i start making up more words again you guys know your homework i know my homework i love you all so so much i'm coach molly from three pines leadership this has been a lovely conversation on the lifelong podcast i will see you guys again next time and uh yeah i don't know when that's gonna be so you're gonna have to subscribe suckers i mean i love you guys i love you guys and that's why every episode at the end, I always say, be excellent to each other.